0: They need to be stricter, more harsh penalties for people like that who puts greed and money over human life.
1: I agree.
2: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. No, it's not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how i get down the stairs
1: to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you stuck from pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la up in oregon on 91.7 fm kyaq on the central coast at 106.7 fm Queso in cottage grove Out in Pennsylvania on 93 FM, WLRI in Lancaster. Out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM, KAKU, the voice of Maui. Out in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950, the KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the world, streaming on the Progressive Voices channel, NetRoots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation Radio or not, Radio Free Brooklyn. GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and Blanketing the Globe five days a week on Radio Sputnik, this is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another action-packed, thrilling adventure. Just before air on yesterday's broadcast, we got word that the once incredibly powerful West Virginia coal baron Don Blankenship was sentenced for his part in the deaths of 29 miners back in 2010 in April, just uh, six years ago this uh, this month. Uh, That uh, 29 miners died in that explosion at the Upper Big Branch coal mine in West Virginia. It devastated the community. It very briefly riveted the nation for just a few days in April before the uh, BP Deepwater Horizon exploded in the Gulf of Mexico. Not a good month for fossil fuels. Uh, That killed 11 people, drew the media's attention, understandably, I suppose, for, for the next several months uh, as they watch that unstoppable oil leak. Uh, but Don Blankenship, who as CEO of uh, of Massey Energy, one of the nation's largest coal companies at the time, had scoffed for years at mine safety regulations. and uh, And late last year, he was found guilty for conspiracy to willfully violate safety standards at the Upper Big Branch Mine. That led directly to that uh, to those 29 deaths. Blankenship received the maximum sentence yesterday just before we went to air uh, for what he was found guilty of, which unless he is successful on appeal, that sentence will amount to one single year in jail. Twenty nine dead minors. One year in jail for the coal, bo- coal boss whose uh, whose actions led directly to it. We will go out to coal country momentarily to speak with our old friend Bob Kincaid in West Virginia about the sentencing, about the tragedy, about Blankenship, and about frankly what is really going on right now in coal country, amidst this uh, so-called, and I, it's not even so this pretend war on coal. Is that the right way to describe it, Desi Doyen, A pretend war on coal? Is there a war on coal going on? There is no war on coal going on. I no. wish there was. At least not in this country. It's uh, called the free one. market. Oh, there's so. that. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll find out what's actually going on in in coal country, uh, and and how Bob Kincaid is surviving this deadly war on coal uh, that Republicans enjoy claiming that Obama is uh, that Obama is waging. We'll get to that momentarily. Uh, Yesterday, we also uh, had played the comments from this congressman, this Republican congressman, Glenn Grothman from Wisconsin. On WTMJ, the Milwaukee NBC affiliate up there, Uh, he was asked, Grothman was asked about how Republicans could possibly win the presidential race in November Since, you know, uh, Democrats have won Wisconsin uh, election after election up there in the presidential election in any event. And Grothman cited, of course, the draconian photo ID voting restrictions that were in place in Wisconsin on Tuesday for the first time in a major election up there. And, of course, they led to long uh, hours, long lines in many areas where students in particular were voting because uh, most of the student IDs were not amongst the allowable ones. Uh, even though these students were legally registered to vote, 300,000 legally registered voters uh, don't have the type of ID now required in Wisconsin. And that is all because Republicans are pretending there's some sort of voter fraud epidemic that might be deterred by uh, by photo ID, when in fact it is merely a way to keep legitimate lawful voters, if largely Democratic-leaning ones, from being able to cast their vote at all. Uh, Scott Walker, Governor Scott Walker up there, his fellow Republicans, they were unable to show a single case of voter fraud in Wisconsin's recent history uh, that might have been deterred by this type of a law during the long trial that went on in which the federal judge found that this law, in fact, was in violation of the Voting Rights Act, is a uh, a violation of the Constitution, and yet... An appellate court allowed the uh, the law to go forward anyway. Here was Con- Congressman Grothman when he was asked about this law on WTMJ on Election Day, Tuesday uh, of this week, and he said out loud what Republicans are not supposed to say about these laws.
3: You know that a lot of Republicans since
0: 1984 in the presidential races have not been able to win in Wisconsin. Why would it be any different for Ted Cruz or? Donald Trump. Well, I think Hillary Clinton is about the weakest
1: candidate the Democrats have ever put up, and now we have photo ID, and I think photo ID is going to make a little bit of a difference as well. Oh, do you, do you think so, Congressman? Setting aside the comment about Hillary Clinton, because I, I actually just don't care to deal with that right now, I want to look at uh, you know, what he said. What he said. Now, I know that many listeners out there might prefer that I talk about, you know, whatever dumb thing that Donald Trump had to say today or or frankly, how horrible Hillary Clinton is or whatever political nonsense story of the day is out there. But, you know, for all of this Sturm and Dr- you can find that you can find that on every other radio show, television show. Uh, that's what you can find bickering about the politics. And we do that here as well. Well, you know, we do that on the broadcast. But all of this sturm and drong over elections and the horse races don't mean a thing if voters cannot vote at the end of the day. And Grothman is right. Uh, You know, keeping uh, 300,000 registered voters from being able to cast their vote this November could actually flip the state from Democratic to Republican. And those 300,000, as I said, those are just the registered voters, never mind the eligible. There's many uh, more who are not registered who may want to register between now and and November who also don't have the type of photo ID that is uh, necessary now to vote in Wisconsin. So, yeah, you know, I've heard and I've heard from uh, some listeners, why are you always whining about this? And that was the word. That was a word that a Twitter user used uh, yesterday after uh, after a broadcast yesterday. It was a word that Joe Scarborough used. He, He tweeted. He wanted to know if people could stop whining now about photo ID rules now that there was record turnout in the Wisconsin primary on Tuesday. No, no, we cannot. No, we cannot stop whining about it, Joe. We cannot stop whining when uh, people lose their right to vote. And make no mistake, people did lose their right to vote on Tuesday. Many of them, and it will happen again in November. It doesn't matter how large the turnout was. That is not a, a, an indication of how many people had their rights stolen. Scott Walker said something similar. Oh, the, the photo ID law worked just fine. Well, it didn't work. T- well, maybe it did. For Scott Walker, it did work just fine. Here's a story. Lee, Leroy Switlick. He has voted uh, for 46 years in his hometown of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But Switlick, who is legally blind, was unable to obtain a piece of photo ID that would comply with the state's strict new voter ID law in order to cast a, a regular ballot in Tuesday's primary. Despite, despite Walker's claim that the state's photo ID law, quote, works just fine, some voters were actually prevented from voting on Tuesday. And the burdens were disproportionately felt by low-income voters, people of color, seniors, people with disability, and, yes, students. When Switlik went to the DMV to obtain an uh, an ID card to try to vote, according to uh, Samantha Lackman at Huffington Post, he brought his birth certificate with him, a utility bill, a property tax statement, and a Medicare card. He's voted in Wisconsin since he was 21 years old. He's now 67. And remember, he's blind. He said he went up there uh, to the counter and the gentleman behind the counter said this stuff is no good. You've got to have a picture ID. How do I know you are who you say you are? So Switlett's documents proved his name and date of birth, his Wisconsin residency, his citizenship, but they didn't prove his identity. According to this guy, he needed a piece of I.D. with his photo and signature like a passport. But he had none of the quote unquote acceptable documents to get this photo I.D. He said, how do I get an I.D. card if I don't have an I.D. card? He ultimately decided uh, uh, to vote, as Whitlick did, for Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton with a provisional ballot. And now he's hoping to get an ID to make his ballot count before the Friday afternoon deadline. So if you pa- if you cast a provisional vote in Wisconsin because you didn't have the ID, you still have until Friday till Friday afternoon to try to get an ID and and to bring it in. That is not easy to do for many people. Carrie Venteris of Madison also had uh, to vote with a provisional ballot on Tuesday. The 41-year-old has a disability that makes it difficult for her to get around. She moved from Illinois to Wisconsin in December and hadn't yet had a chance to get a Wisconsin driver's license. When a friend told her that she couldn't actually vote with her Illinois license, remember, she has one in Illinois. And they're not supposed to be checking your, your residency on these matters. So we know it's her. But it, this is the rules that they made in order to keep people, that the Republicans passed in order to keep people from, from casting a vote. So when, when she heard that she couldn't vote with her Illinois license, she contacted the Wisconsin Chapter of Election Protection. Her birth certificate, however, is that she would need in order to get uh, this uh, Wisconsin ID, that birth certificate's in Illinois. So she wasn't able to get an acceptable form of photo ID before the primary. So now she's taking a bus back to Illinois... She went back on Wednesday afternoon back to Illinois to get her birth certificate, which is a three hour round trip. And she estimated the cost of getting the provisional ballot that she can uh, so that she can uh, get her her provisional ballots account before Friday's deadline. That will add up to roughly one hundred dollars in addition to all of those hours. I could go on and on with these stories. So when I hear people telling me, uh, you know, Joe Scarborough, can we stop whining? There was uh, plenty of turnout. Plenty of people turned out. That's not how rights work. And the fact that the guy who is on uh, MSNBC for some four hours a day, this Republican congressman, remember, this is the, the quote unquote liberal network, MSNBC, right? It's, it's just like Fox News, except it's for liberals. Except I'm pretty sure there is not a Democrat who is on the air on Fox News for four goddamn hours every morning with his own show to spout all manner of nonsense the way uh, Joe Scarborough is here. So you want to know what's really going on with that law? As if, uh, you know, I've been telling you for years, uh, voting rights advocates have been telling you for years. Congressman, Republican Congressman uh, Grothman just hinted at it when he said, oh, well, now we're going to win. Now we're going to win because uh, this is going to keep enough Democrats away from uh, uh, from the polls in November. So here's what's really going on. Todd Albaugh. Who used to uh, work in the Wisconsin State uh, Senate. He was a Republican chief of staff there. uh, And he uh, he quit the Republican Party. He was there. In 2011, when Republicans passed this bill initially, that has been tied up in the courts ever since, and then was finally used on Tuesday. Todd Alba, uh, I think this was on election day, yeah, on primary day. He he went to uh, he took to his Facebook, and uh, Alba uh, told what well what these laws are really about. I'm going to just read you what he said, what he posted in full on Facebook uh, on primary day. Again, uh, the uh, Republican chief of staff at the Wisconsin State Senate. He said, you want to know why I left the Republican Party as it exists today? Here it is. This was the last straw. I was in the closed Senate Republican caucus when the final round of multiple voter ID bills were being discussed. A handful of the GOP senators were giddy about the ramifications and literally singled out the prospects of suppressing minority and college voters. They were giddy about it. Think about that for a minute, Albaugh writes. Elected officials planning and happy to help deny a fellow American's constitutional right to vote in order to increase their own chances to hang on to power. A vigorous debate on the ideas was not good enough. Inspiring the electorate and relying on their agenda being better to get people to vote for them, that was not good enough. No, they had to take the coward's way out and come up with a plan to suppress the vote under the guise of, quote, voter fraud. The truth, he writes, there was almost none. Oh, wait. GOP Speaker Voss's estranged wife voted twice in both, uh, and GOP Speaker Voss is a Republican. She voted twice in both Idaho and Wisconsin, and a GOP staffer was caught voting twice. And I should add that uh, the photo ID law wouldn't have prevented either of those cases of actual voter fraud carried out by Republicans from, from having occurred. Alba continues, but it was good rhetoric. Yesterday, one of my employees born in California went to get his Wisconsin ID. He was told he couldn't use his California ID to get a Wisconsin ID without his birth certificate, which is back in California. Sound familiar? The result? He's not able to vote today. Here's a young man in his early 20s who is taking part and interested in voting for the first time in his life. He was excited to go to the polls. What kind of a state, a legislature, a political party is it that denies this young man his right, says Elbaugh. The GOP, he writes, was born out of greater opportunity and equality. Wisconsin, yes, the Wisconsin Republican Party, under the leadership of Republican Governor Robert M. Fighting Bob LaFollette, led the country in creating greater voting access to its citizens the wisconsin gop was seen as a shining example of equality that was the party i joined in the 80s and fought for that party he says, no longer exists. I don't belong to any party now. I don't think the Dems have a, have all the answers either. But my God, to watch a party I once fought for, deny a young man his voting rights. It boils my blood, leaves a pit in my stomach. It's time for a GOP implosion. Wow, huh? Yeah. That was Todd Albaugh, the uh, Wisconsin state uh, Senate uh, chief of staff uh, for uh, for the Republic, former former chief of staff, explaining why he left the Republican Party. And so, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I, I'm i sorry for, uh, you know, whining to you all about this, whining about. And I've got story. I've got one story after another after another story. I I, I want to get to Bob Kincaid here shortly, so I'm not going to I won't go into it. Uh, into more of these stories of these, you know, these people, these, these students uh, who were voting for the first time and who said, this is ridiculous what we have to go through. We had to wait an hour in line to get a photo ID, then another two hours to be able to cast our vote. And these are people, by the way, who are voting for the first time, who are looking at this saying, this is this is democracy. This I'm trying to do my part, but, man, this is ridiculous. So a lot of these people, they're not going to go through it again, and I would not blame them. So, yeah, this stuff matters. We will continue to cover it here on the broadcast, whether you like it or not, because this stuff matters, and because voting matters, and democracy matters. And, yeah, we have a lot of really crappy candidates on not just the Republican side, but on the Democratic side. Yeah. But that's not the point. The point is, if we can't participate in our system, we can't fix it. And if we don't participate in our system, if we stop participating in our system, then we will never fix it. Then we have no choice. Then you can have politicians, both Republicans and Democratic, who can run roughshod over we the people as they do, as they have now for years, for decades in West Virginia where, arguably, uh, there's not a dime's worth of difference sometimes, particularly when it comes to the coal industry, between the Republicans and the Democrats up there in West Virginia. And, of course, it is we the people who pay the price for that. The literal price. The worst price. The ultimate price. The price of death in many cases. And that's what we're going to talk about next in West Virginia. With our friend Bob Kincaid, I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't miss our next conversation. It's important. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time only contribution.
0: West Virginia Coal, gonna take you on a ride Gonna take you to the city, to the shore and countryside Gonna let you work your magic and your power
3: and your pride West Virginia Coal, you're on your way When we go down deep through the dark today We come up
1: with a light for America
2: America!
1: That's an actual ringtone that you can download from the West Virginia Coal Association. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I think the uh, most accurate part there is when they say coal, West Virginia coal is going to take you on a ride.
2: Coal is West Virginia.
1: Yep, it sure is. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Six years and one day after Massey Energy Company's upper Big Branch mine exploded in West Virginia, killing 29 men, Don Blankenship stood in federal court and tried to express his sorrow to the miners' families. That, according to the Charleston uh, Gazette-Mail in West Virginia, he said the lost coal miners were great coal miners. Blankenship, the former Massey CEO, is a towering figure in coal country, or at least he used to be. For the families of victims, according to the paper, uh, many of whom sat through Blankenship's entire two-month trial, it was not nearly enough. Not nearly. U.S. District Court Irene Berger gave Blankenship the maximum allowable sentence for his actions leading up to the explosion on Wednesday of this week. Uh, One year in prison? One year of supervised release and $250,000 fine for the millionaire coal baron. For that, the families of the victims were thankful, but the apology and the relative lightness of the maximum allowable sentence one year in prison for willfully conspiring to violate mine safety standards did not sit well. As Blankenship left the Robert C. Byrd U.S. courthouse on Wednesday afternoon, Several family members of uh, victims of the uh, Upper Big Branch mine explosion uh, commented their emotions were still raw six years later and they did not hold back as Blankenship came out of the courthouse. Tommy Davis, who lost his brother, his son and his nephew at uh, the Upper Big Branch, reached above the scrum of attorneys and news media surrounding Blankenship to point his finger at the man that he blamed for the disaster. Quote, you don't have a heart. You don't miss your kids like we miss ours. Davis, who was working in a different section of that same mine that same day, shouted at Blankenship as he left. He said, I hold a picture. I hold a tombstone. You hold nothing. Tommy Davis spoke to reporters after Blankenship drove away.
0: I lost three there that day. Who were they again? Charles Kennedy Davis. That was my only brother, my go-to guy. My son, Corey Thomas, which was only 20, the youngest one out of all of them, and my son Joshua, or my nephew Joshua from Ohio. I was talking to my other other nephew at the man trip station when it all went down. This man has no remorse at all. Tommy, no what were some of the things that you were yelling as he was speaking? We couldn't I really him to know who I was, cause out of six years, he never approached none of us. He never told us he was sorry for what happened, and he knows he could have done the right thing. All he had to do was make one of them forty phone calls a day. He called checking on production to say shut it down and fix everything, but he refused to do it.
1: We can see you're kind of shaking right now. What's going
0: through you? it's just too much to say. I, I miss my family. He hugged his, and all he gets is a year, and she done great. She gave him what she could give him, but they need to be stricter, more harsh penalties for people like that who puts greed and money over human life.
1: What did you think when he went up in the court and said that he, he apologized to you? It, was, it, it
0: mean nothing. It didn't mean nothing and it still won't mean nothing because like I told him standing right there when he looked at me He never come to me in six years never come to me never come to my mom my dad. It's gone now. They grieved herself to death He never come and apologized to none of us. He never said nothing Would it have mattered if he did would it have changed your opinion on him? He's still He's still who he is
2: Where's this frustration come from for you?
0: If you was where I was that day, and you seen my son after laying in there for five days and seen what he looked like, if you worked on them men like we did when they come outside and you smelled them and you looked at them, then you know where I come from. You know what's here. Not much. Tommy, you worked there as well, right? Yes. Were you there that day? Yes, I was. I was then at the man trip station trying to early out. But I got to feel only a little bit what a whole lot of these men feel a whole lot of. And that man has no remorse for human life at all.
1: That was miner Tommy Davis in uh, West Virginia speaking after the sentencing of coal baron Don Blankenship to just one year in jail following the deaths of 29 miners in in his mine. One family member noted that 365 days in prison for Blankenship amounted to about 12 and a half days for each dead miner. The families were also not moved by Blankenship's apology in court, where he also reasserted, quote, I am not guilty of a crime. Joining us now to talk about this and so much more, a man who has been covering Blankenship for years in West Virginia and fighting for the people of the state and the minors who have been treated so horribly for so long by folks like Blankenship and the politicians that, uh, that he helped put in office for a decade is our old friend Bob Kincaid. He's co-founder of the Appalachian Community's Health Emergency Campaign, president of Coal River Mountain Watch and the legendary host and creator of the Head On Radio Network. And uh, in addition to being a tireless hero in the fight against mountaintop removal, coal mining and other horrific and hopefully quickly dying practices in coal, mi- uh, in coal country, Bob's also a longtime friend of both the Brad Blog and the Bradcast. Welcome back, my friend. Uh, great to have you back on the Bradcast, Bob.
3: Ah, uh, it's great to talk to you, Brad.
1: Bob, you have been covering Don Blankenship, uh, who was described long ago by Rolling Stone, I believe, as the dark lord of coal country. Uh, You've been covering covering for years out there in West Virginia. Uh, Before we get into the specifics of this case, Blankenship is much more than a now disgraced coal company owner. Frankly, this this man was a, a coal baron with tremendous influence both in the state and and even nationally for decades w- was he not who in a nutshell if if you can describe it in a nutshell here uh, who was blankenship before this uh, tragic disaster at the upper big branch mine in 2010
3: don blankenship was a man who rose up from relative poverty down in mingo county
1: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, uh scrabbled his way up through the ranks of massey got himself a, an accounting degree at marshall university and set about the business of breaking the union and he did mm-hmm. uh, he was successful he turned Massey into a mostly non-union operation in which uh, one in, in which one raised one's voice about things like safety concerns at one's peril mm-hmm. and uh, along the way he he created a culture of fear and of, of timidity and well, uh, he, he, ran, he, he ran his minds. Uh, you know, when, when times were good, we, we need to remember, Brad, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, when, when times were good, he was hosting humongous uh, rallies in which he wrapped himself in flag-decorated shirts and had yeah. Ted Nugent playing on a, uh, on, a, on a toxic mountaintop removal hellscape. And, and, and people loved him. Oh, they thought he was just wonderful.
1: And literally, I mean, he literally wore a flag hat, flag shirt, and he was having these political rallies out there and was incredibly powerful. Now, why was he at least that was before his what appears now to be his downfall? I can only hope it is. Why was he only charged? Uh, w- with a misdemeanor in this case. If I understand it, that's why he was only able to get one year. That was the maximum allowable under what he was charged with. It was a misdemeanor, not a felony, despite the fact that, you know, 29 died. What, why is that? I, I, I still can't wrap well, my head the, around it.
3: The, the the reason for that, Brad, first of all, he was charged with two, two crimes. One of them was a felony. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, the, the felony was the charge of having defrauded uh, shareholders or defrauded Wall Street. Now, that, in the eyes of the Congress of the United States, is a felony. Right. Don't defraud the shareholders, <laughs> or we will put you under the prison. Right. On the other hand, if you dummy up safety regulations that are designed to uh, save, preserve the lives of people working an incredibly dangerous job, if you, dummy, if you dummy up on those and if you conspire to evade them and 29 people get turned into human charcoal, that's a misdemeanor thank you, Congress
1: why was he acquitted then on the, on the felony he was, he was acquitted on that, that second charge the more quote-unquote serious charge of, of defrauding shareholders, correct? yes, he walked why? I mean, how did he skate on because that at, one? At
3: the, at the, uh, he skated on that because the, 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 the government's case was really complicated, and it turned, mm-hmm. on, uh, it, it turned on questions of his mental state and his intent, and, and the, 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 the lawyers that he hired were able to successfully obfuscate around that.
1: Should he have been charged with more, for example, you know, accessory to murder? Essentially, here, I mean, could he have been charged with more? Did did he receive a pass from federal investigators, or is this a case of, 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 of years of lobbying by the coal industry and Blankenship himself, leaving you know, law enforcement with very few tools that they could use to hold this type of uh, person accountable for this kind of disaster?
3: Well, it's it's obvious that. You know, things like, things like a, a murder charge or accessory to murder, those would more likely be state charges. Okay. And, there, and, and, you know, this is West Virginia, and in many ways West Virginia is a Stalinist sort of state with the coal industry uh, standing in as the Stalin. <laughs> uh, there, there's not a prosecutor in this state, a county prosecutor, who would have had the courage to, run up, uh, to, to, to butt heads with Don Blankenship so that that was sort of out of the picture to begin mm-hmm. with but there were safety regulations and this was about as close as they could get to him so it, it's 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 kind of pathetic Brad but it it's a landmark because a, because you know a corporate honcho actually went down compare this to the because yesterday was an interesting day compare this to what happened in the BP Horizon case mm-hmm. because the last guy was sentenced yesterday yeah and he was just a, a, a lower-level supervisor, and he got 10 months of probation, for, uh, uh, and, and he was the supervisor when 11 human beings were blown up on that oil rig.
1: And, and uh, yeah, so I, I guess we should be happy that someone faced some kind of accountability somewhere but of course in the BP case uh, well they had to pay a, a, a much bigger price in that the, the settlement was something like $20 billion but we just get word that uh, BP now gets to write that off literally write that off as as an expense the cost of doing well, business and, and,
3: and, and I, have, I have no doubt I'm not an accountant uh-huh. but I'm guessing that Don Blankenship will write the $250,000 fine off on his taxes too
1: a lot of people don't realize that that explosion uh, in the Gulf came just days after this uh, disaster up in West Virginia, and that sort of sucked up a lot of days. the... Uh, yeah, 15 days. And everyone remembers that uh, that that Gulf disaster. Not many, unfortunately, remember what happened in West Virginia. The the family members, of course, do. They, however, uh, family members of the miners were not allowed to speak in court at the sentencing. Some were very upset about that. Uh, even though Don Blankenship, he was allowed to speak in court. Any idea why why they were not allowed to express uh, their thoughts as the uh, as the family members of victims? In I'm only case? I'm
3: only guessing, Brad, but mm-hmm. I'm guessing that the federal judge was trying to uh, keep any potential error from entering the record because Blankenship has already said that he's going to appeal and he'll take that appeal up to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, in addition, the judge uh, turned away 80 victims' compensation claims against uh, ag- against Blankenship,
2: uh,
3: and, they, and she also turned away a victims' compensation claim filed by Alpha Natural Resources to the tune of 23 million dollars. That they said that uh, well, Alpha Corpora, Alpha Natural mm-hmm. Resources, the corporation, and of course, corporations are people now, my friend. <laughs> yes, um, they they stepped up and said we're a victim we need 23 million dollars oh, and man. the judge bounced
2: that too
1: and alpha natural resources ended up uh, uh buying as i understand massey energy which had been one of the largest uh, coal com- country uh, companies now alpha is and uh i, I believe they they're are, in bankruptcy. Right? yeah i was gonna say they they filed for bankruptcy protection we're gonna talk in a little bit i'm speaking with bob kincaid um of West Virginia about the uh, this Blankenship case, and I, I want to talk about uh, what's actually going on in a broader picture with coal country. But uh, a few more points on this Blankenship because this is a guy. I mean, you know, boy, what? Uh, Ten years ago, no one ever would have thought that Blankenship would have been brought down like this. Uh, when you hear someone uh, responses from folks like uh, like that miner Tommy Davis, who lost his son, his nephew. Uh, his brother in that uh, disaster. Uh, d- 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 what do you think when you hear? That? I mean, uh, from out here, it's absolutely heartbreaking. You've known these people, worked with these people uh, uh, d- for years. Were were you moved or surprised by the oh, it, response it, it, to their family members? It
3: breaks, my, it breaks my heart because it's it's another chapter in the hundred and twenty five plus year long uh, the mm-hmm. exploitation and and, and 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 devastation of of the people of this state and this region, Brad. Uh, we, we we have to remember that the the number of people the, killed in coal mine accidents, killed by black lung, uh, the, the various you know, other diseases, mm-hmm. uh, it, it numbers in the tens of thousands. Uh, other regions of this country have probably suffered their own uh, abuse at the hands of corporate America, but they're they're going to have to get up awful early in the morning to uh, to match the wholesale suffering of Appalachia over the course of the last century. Of course it's heartbreaking. It's heart-rending. And and, and and Tommy Davis was right. The judge did all that she could. But the fact of the matter is, if we had a responsible Congress, and I realize that using responsible and Congress in the <laughs> same sentence is an exercise in futility at this point, but if we had a responsible Congress, we would be looking at regulations uh, like the ones that... Uh, uh, the, 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 and the safety regs and mm-hmm. the and the criminal penalties for evading them that Don Blankenship was convicted of, and we would uh, you know maybe make those felonies and not misdemeanors. Uh, but I'm... to the best of my knowledge, in six years, that has not happened.
1: Well, to that end, and and I want to be very careful here because I don't want to. <laughs> I, I don't want to blame, I don't want to be, even come across as somehow blaming the victims at all. But when I see, uh, you know, people responding out there, when I see people in West Virginia, you know, Tommy Davis, he was a miner as well, um, are, aren't folks like that, everyday citizens and workers who are just trying to hold a job and and, and feed their families in in rural West Virginia area, working as, as minors uh, in places like, you know, not just West Virginia, but Kentucky, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Um to some extent, those folks are also the ones who who kept these politicians in power on both the Republican and the Democratic side uh, in places like West Virginia, who who made it easy for guys sure like Blankenship did. to get away with this. So uh, do the people, uh, you know, of coal country bear some responsibility here in in what has happened o- over these uh, decades you're talking about? I
3: guess to a certain extent, we're always good. Any anyone anywhere is an author of their own doom. Uh, in in that regard, Brad, I, it, it's 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 painful. I mean, I've got I can look back in my family history and just see one line entries died in the mines. Okay, mm-hmm. um, the, my 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 grandfather died in part because of black lung disease. Yeah, um, my 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 <sighs> father labored in the mines
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, and and told me as a child. Uh, I don't ever want you to do what I had to do but, uh, but,
1: but you know but, Bob, but, people like you have taken a lot of grief for speaking out, for pushing back for for trying to do something about it. We've watched these you know wars out there for years uh, over your fight against mountaintop removal, uh, and a lot of times it is the very people who are most at risk out there who who come after people like you, Bob: Oh sure. I,
3: I was, I was going to mention that you know we've've helped. We've helped rallies and protests against mountaintop removal. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that some of the people who were aggrieved at Don Blankenship were the same people who were, in the, in the, who were given paid days off to come and scream at the tree There there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, like I said, I, 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 live, in, I, I live in a very strange place. I mean, uh, climate change is, is, is a, a, a vile liberal Obama conspiracy to take away our coal jobs here. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just how it is. And, yeah, what you said about the, the way they vote, in 2014 they ran. They did not walk. They ran to the polls uh, to, to, to elect a, a slate of Republicans on the, on the principle that the Republicans said they were going to make the coal come back. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know what. Maybe they were going to put cattle prods to the little Keebler coal elves and make them make more coal underground. You know, it's a finite resource, and we don't get that here.
1: Uh, it seems that uh, that they don't. Even after tragedies like this, you would think they would throw all of these bums out and demand much more. i got to take a quick break here. I'm going to come back with uh, Bob Kincaid, co-founder of the Appalachian Community's Health Emergency Campaign, president of Coal River Mountain Watch, and host of the Bob Kincaid Show on the Head On Radio Network. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com, speaking with my uh, uh, friend, the great Bob Kincaid, host of uh, Head On Radio on the Head On Radio Network. Uh, And uh, great activists for years, for decades, frankly, out there in West Virginia fighting against uh, the coal barons, uh, and and the death traps, frankly, that they they send folks into. Uh, Bob, during the break, and I want to get to some of these bigger coal country issues. Uh, but during the break, we were talking about uh, you know Blankenship and the fact that though he has been brought down, though he has been now hopefully sent away for uh, to jail for at least a year in the uh, in the wake of the deaths of twenty nine miners at his mine back in uh, back in twenty ten that. Uh, the the safety regulations are still lacking, and uh, the enforcement of those regulations is still lacking. And, and you said this same problem is going to happen again. It seems like we never learn.
3: Well, of course it's going to happen again, because Don Blankenship was not the only coal boss who hates safety regulations. Remember, uh, here, here in West Virginia and generally in the Republican Party, those are not safety regulations that Don Blankenship conspired to evade. Those are job-killing regulations, mm-hmm. Brad.
1: Yeah, that's how that is how they see them, and that and they actually see, uh, you know, concerns about climate change as Obama's war on coal. I wish he did have more of a war on coal, frankly. And I want to talk- welcome it. Yes, no kidding. We need one. Um, however, I think uh, there is, you know, a, a bright spot here. I, I think that uh, coal is finally uh on its way out and I oh not let me get so to th- well I know and let me get to that in a moment we had reported uh on uh, on the green news report here not long ago uh with my uh, partner Desi Doyan about about a new study finding that the I think it was the mean elevation of the state of West Virginia has actually been lowered has actually sunk uh in a sense due to all the mountaintop removal coal mining uh, where they blow the tops off of so many mountains uh, that the state is actually has a lower elevation than they used to, in a well, sense. Well, that's
3: that's why I describe where I live as almost level West Virginia. Really, uh, we've we've lost five hundred uh, Appalachia's Lost five hundred mountains. We've lost a, uh, an area of uh, of of the region equivalent to the size of the state of Delaware. Okay, five hundred mountains gone. Th- uh, the, 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 a thousand, wow. two thousand miles of streams. That are feeder streams to the, the to the greater southeastern United States, buried. Okay, uh, you've got you've got people poisoned by mountaintop removal mm-hmm. uh, the, by the blasting. I mean, one 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 ordinary mountaintop removal blast, Brad, is can be the equivalent of a of a of a cruise missile strike of twenty five cruise missiles.
1: Uh, and this goes on yep. every day.
3: Every day, uh, three to five to million pounds of high explosives per day. And the reason I said not so fast a moment ago yeah. is because, and, and I, I really wish these stories would stop propagating. I guess they make people feel better or something. Coal's not going away, okay? Coal's going to continue to be burned uh, 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 at, at present rates until we literally burn ourselves out of the, uh, the, the ability of human beings to live on the planet, okay? That's, that's the reality. And the fact of the matter is, while we've had a ton of layoffs in the coal industry here in West Virginia, almost all of them are underground coal miners like Tommy Davis and, mm-hmm. and the people who died in Upper Big Branch. They're not laying off the mountaintop removal, guys, because it only takes 10 or 15 people working uh, with a bunch of heavy equipment and explosives. To, it takes 10 or 15 people working five years to take down 5,000 acres of mountains.
1: It's easy, and the, and,
3: the, and the coal and the coal gets on a truck, and it, then it gets on a train, and then it gets on a boat, and it goes to China, and it goes to India, and it goes. Well, the, the, the single largest uh, 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 European user of mountaintop removal coal, the Netherlands, for God's sake.
1: Uh, where is the Obama administration? How have they been on this issue? Like I said, it's you know they are accused of waging this war on coal. Is there any truth to it? Are, where are they on mountaintop removal, for I'm, example?
3: But uh, uh, look, they've been in office for eight years. I've been at protests in front of the White House. I've seen my friends arrested. The uh, the Obama administration has done next to nothing to curtail mountaintop removal. Okay, we we uh, 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 a few of us. Um, frustrated hillbillies finally took the the bull by the horns and we went and got the only bill that's ever been introduced in the congress that would end mountaintop removal. Uh, It's called the Appalachian Communities Health Emergency Act. We got that. That that wasn't that, that wasn't some that wasn't some idea the Obama administration had and to this day the Obama administration has never uttered a peep in support of that legislation.
1: Who who introduced that legislation? Who sponsored that legislation in the It was uh, in originally
3: Congress? introduced by Dennis Kucinich and then in subsequent Congresses it has the, the ball was picked up by John Yarmouth of Kentucky. And it took a lot of guts for him to do it. But we've we've got a lot of we've had a lot of uh, a, a good progressive support on it, uh, people like Keith Ellison and Raul uh-huh. Rahalva uh, 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 a large number of the California House delegation, we have we have worked uh, we have worked the, the the Senate tirelessly trying to get it introduced over there, but uh, but the, but the idea of the, that there's a war on coal is just a sad and cynical and tragic little joke perpetrated on people who I, I guess I, I guess they, just, they, they like their confirmation bias.
1: Over in the Senate, over in the Senate, in the U.S. Senate, you got Joe Manchin. He's a former governor out there, a Democrat. And I guess I have to put that oh, in quotes: fuck. a Democrat from West Virginia. Uh, he he won't touch this uh, legislation in the U.S. Senate. No,
3: even no, even though we know that there are tw- there are more than two dozen peer reviewed science uh, journal articles that point to mountaintop removal as as, as 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 a significant aggravator, if not an outright cause of a whole raft of horrifying diseases that plague southern West Virginia, eastern Kentucky, western Virginia, and northeastern Tennessee, all the places where mountaintop removal takes place.
1: Hillary Clinton, for her part, during this uh, during this presidential campaign, she's called for a massive project uh, to retrain coal workers. I think thirty billion dollars in in places like West Virginia, uh, you know, to assure that those folks losing jobs because of well, because you know now they're just blowing the tops off of mountains. That's cheaper. That's easier. It doesn't take as many uh, uh, miners to do it. Uh, so she's proposing some thirty billion dollars to retrain workers with uh, you know good paying. Jobs as coal is hopefully finally someday uh, phased out. How is that plan being received in your part of coal country? Good
3: paying, where are those good-paying jobs going to come from, Brad? Okay, the the, the 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 fundamental mistake that was made in Appalachia is that we were run as a mono economy. Okay, we were run as a resource colony for the coal industry and their Wall Street backers and their international uh, the, uh, the investment banker friends like Deutsche Bank and UBS and. Royal Bank of Scotland and Credit Agricole, mm-hmm. that bunch. Uh, but but you, since, you mentioned, since you mentioned Hillary Clinton, let me, let me give you here, because I just happen to have it handy. Um, let me give you her take on mountaintop removal. Okay. This comes from March of 2008. She has since been as silent as a miner's grave uh, about mountaintop removal. Mm. Uh, I am concerned about it, mountaintop removal, for all the reasons people state But I think it's a difficult question because of the conflict between the economic and environmental trade off that you have here. You know, maybe there, and this is the part where I run screaming out into the night. You know, maybe there's a way to recover those mountaintops once they've been stripped of the coal. You know, I think that we've got to look at this from a practical perspective. (laughs)
1: You you know, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, she was very, very troubled, very, very disturbed, uh, understandably, by what went on up in Flint, Michigan, where they got a lot of attention uh, and deservedly so for the Toxic lead uh, water poisoning crisis out there by state Republicans, but I know that folks in West Virginia, like you, have had to deal with your own toxic pollution in the water and in the air uh, for years. Thanks, in no part, no small part to things like a mountaintop removal and, and the coal industry. Uh, Absolutely,
3: and, and let me let me let yeah. me just, uh, if I could, please, Fred, sure. Uh, let me let me kind of draw a, a distinction between uh, Flint is horrifying. And 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 long term and heartbreaking, and as and I, I don't mean to be cynical in this. It's easy. It is an easy one to deal with because all you have to do is point to those conscienceless, remorseless, avaricious Republicans who made Flint happen. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it did not have to be. It mm-hmm. was not a it was not a natural disaster. It was a matter of just plain old nasty right-wing politics in action okay you come down here where water is poisoned you come down here where people are sick and dying and it becomes a little bit more difficult perhaps for somebody like Hillary Clinton because you see the coal, the coal industry does not operate in a vacuum bread these massive operations especially a mountaintop removal job they don't take a lot of a lot of labor there's not a lot of labor cost there but there is a ton of of capital outlay for equipment, for drills, for massive earth-moving machinery, uh, for, for 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 blasting, uh, for transportation of the coal, all of that kind of stuff, and that takes Wall Street, okay, and that takes the investment banks, that takes uh, mm-hmm. the, the people like Bank of America, mm-hmm. and and so if you come down here and you go after mountaintop removal for making people sick, you're liable. To get some people on Wall Street really upset with you,
1: and uh, and of course it's uh, much much harder therefore to to take that on than those nasty Republicans who who switched our water supply because now you're taking on the entire uh, well the entire panoply of of. People who, frankly, support Hillary Clinton. How about Bernie Sanders? Any better uh, commentary, uh, statement, uh, advocacy million, coming from him? A
3: million times better. A million times better. I can say because I've been, I've been involved in it. Uh, I've been involved in conversations with with folks in Bernie's office, mm-hmm. and 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 I've had a personal conversation with Bernie himself. Uh, and and he knows how bad it is, and he loathes the practice of mountaintop removal. And makes no bones about it.
1: Bob I I've, I've uh, just got one uh, about a minute here I got to get out but the uh well z- two quick questions here uh one they seem to be uh, I reference this new references uh, you know these coal companies Alpha Natural Resources one of the big biggest if not the biggest in the in the country now uh, filed for bankruptcy uh you know coal uh, plants are being uh, shut down uh, coal fired power plants are being shut down all around the country you say coal is not going anywhere but there is ever- Evidence uh, to suggest at least that coal is at least in very serious trouble. Uh, as they're you know doing things like declaring bankruptcy, uh, are they really heading out of business, or is that just a way to you know to, to oh, skirt no. pensions? No, and no,
2: no.
1: So
3: bankruptcy. No, the bankruptcy laws are being used to allow these to allow these coal companies to streamline their operations. Uh, granted, the price of coal fell. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a variety of reasons, they, uh, one of which is just simple supply and demand. They overproduced. Mm-hmm. But the bankruptcy laws, are uh, they, they allow the companies to get rid of their pension obligations, to get rid of their health care obligations, to completely put the wood to all the people who showed up at all of those pro-coal rallies, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and and so when they come back, I mean, it's not, it's not like they're out there, you know, selling off uh, earth-moving equipment and got them up on blocks or... Uh, Auction. No. They're going to come back. They'll come out of bankruptcy with all of those liabilities erased from their ledger, and they will be lean and mean and ready to go forward into a toxic future.
1: Is there anything, Bob, to be hopeful about? I mean, it does still seem like we are turning some kind of uh, curve here, that people are understanding finally how deadly coal is, how deadly fossil fuels are in general. Is there anything out there in West Virginia at this point, uh, to be hopeful about? Can we be more hopeful than we were, say, seven years ago before Obama came to office? And and, and frankly, for what it's worth, uh, you know, taking the impacts of climate change at least somewhat seriously more so than his predecessors anything to be hopeful for anything to leave anybody with any hope here bob uh, at uh the it, the show
3: well yeah i'm i'm sorry i've been such a little ray of sunshine and everything but <laughs> no, yeah you know you know what you know what's hopeful yeah. the fact that the people who do understand the reality, the reality of it aren't backing down we're not going away we're not going to quit we're not going to quit living in the land of reality while other people uh, live in a fantasy world uh, we're, we're going we're to keep making the noise. We just need more people making noise with us.
1: Coal country hero, Bob Kincaid, uh, host of the Bob Kincaid Show on Head On Radio. Bob, uh, what's the best address for people to find your show and, and listen to your siren song each and every weeknight on these issues?
3: Uh, 6 to 9 p.m. is the live time, and you can get the program easily at, head, at uh, headonradionetwork.com or on the uh, Stitcher or TuneIn apps
1: very good and we should say 6 to 9 p.m. eastern time uh for those who don't live on the east coast bob kincaid co-founder of the appalachian Communities health emergency campaign president of coal river mountain watch uh always great to talk to you my friend let's do it again uh sooner instead of waiting so many years this time
3: let's do indeed
1: thank you brother thank you man i love that guy Bob Kincaid. Uh, All right. uh, My thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, and, of course, to Bob Kincaid at the Head On Radio Network. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, you can download it and every other one we we have ever done for free at Bradblog.com. Or you can subscribe and get them sent to your computer or your iPhone or whatever for free. Uh, over at TuneIn, where we hope you will leave us a good review. If you have any uh, comments, good, bad, or otherwise, if you'd like to yell at me about anything you want, please feel free. My email address is bradcast at bradblog.com, and on the Twitters and the Facebooks, I am simply TheBradBlog. All right. Is that it? Did I hit everything, Des? I think so. Thank you very much. All right. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Everybody.